Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Guy Barry. Father in heaven, uh, now as we go to the Word, uh, again we ask you to be with us and help us, lead us, guide us. Uh, could it be that each one here might be blessed or edified or taught or encouraged uh, by something we look at? Um, what a blessing. Uh, what an astounding thing. Uh, when you open the spiritual ears and eyes of someone and they see that this book could not have been written by men because the same, the same theme, the same story is woven into every book, every chapter of every book. Um, where would we be without the Bible? Um, we can't look down on those who uh, have, uh, have no interest in the Bible. It's only by your grace and your mercy that any of us do. Um, but could just each one of us just be filled uh, every minute of every day uh, and be in awe uh, of this book that you've given us. Uh, as we go into the Word, could each one of us just uh, have that understanding in us, that, that awareness that we're sitting at your feet, uh, reading and trying to understand a, a book that came from you. Again, a book that could not have been contrived by men. Uh, so we ask you to lead us and guide us, help us, uh, and again, above all, may all the glory go to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to sit down. Please, please forgive me. I, uh, circulation's not coming back still on my legs. I still, still get stiff. Um, could we turn to Job chapter 40? We started in the summer of 2011, at chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Job, and we've just gone through it word by word. Um, we're through chapter 40 now. This book is probably the oldest in the Bible as it pertains to when it was written. You know, the Genesis goes back all the way to creation. But it's believed that this book was, is probably the oldest that was written that God inspired men to write. Um, theologians aren't sure exactly when the events took place. Um, from what I can see, and, and I'm nobody, I, I, I think it, these events took place right about maybe around 1800 BC when the Israelites were in Egypt. It's not the, if God, uh, does not choose to reveal it exactly to us, then that's uh, his purpose. Um, but it's amazing. Again, uh, uh, the oldest book in the Bible um, never speaks of Israel, um, but yet anyone with just a little bit of, of knowledge of the Scriptures, what the Scriptures are all about, should see that this, uh, that certainly we're to see Christ in Job as God afflicts him horribly, um, to show Satan that he will not, uh, turn on, on God, that he will not curse God. Um, 
but what else is amazing is that as we begin to understand, as we begin, begin to see the uh, spiritual nuances, the sense behind uh, all, all the, uh, the passages and in this exchange between Job and his friends, uh, it's, it's looking, uh, a lot of it is, like the rest of the Bible, is just relevant to today and, and speaks of exactly what's going on now. Um, so I'd like to look at chapter 40, uh, starting in verse 15. In chapter 40, verse 15, God begins to speak to Job about this, uh, this monster of an animal called Behemoth. In chapter 41, it speaks of Leviathan. Um, I, I've never heard any studies on this. If anyone has, if anyone has heard a study on on this on behemoth uh, done by someone they consider faithful comparing scripture with scripture I'd, I'd like to hear um, looking at it just quickly over the years I I thought uh, maybe he was a picture of of Christ he's uh, it says uh, in, in verse 19 Job 40 verse 19 he is the chief of the ways of God he that made him can make his sword to approach unto him and 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 there's nothing apparently wrong with with this animal it's just a huge animal but yet once you get to oh well almost from the beginning almost from verse 15 to the end of the chapter as you study each of these words what you see in it is guile deceit concealment uh he's not what he appears to be and and uh i'll say it right now so that we can so that we can uh have this in our heads as we go through some of these verses that uh i believe he's a picture of satan in the church i believe leviathan is a picture of satan maybe throughout history because leviathan is a sea creature and we know that god uses the ocean to represent hell but here this is a land animal um and again, as we work through these words, they all have to do with uh, darkness and, and uh, guile. And uh, he's hidden from what he really is. Um, after the discourse, the exchange for 28 chapters or so between Job and his three friends, uh, then this man named Elihu comes on the scene for about three chapters and then, uh, and then the Lord Himself appears and talks to Job, and uh, he, the tone by the, by His tone, we would say He really uh, straightens Job out. Job is a man; he's a man. He's got some things wrong, but at the same time, the Bible's written in parables, and uh, we're to see the suffering of Christ uh, in Job. Uh, pay. Uh, Pay particular attention to the fact that he doesn't fault God. He never faults, faults God. Um, chapter 27 and chapter 29, the first verses of those chapters are very important. They're very f- important verses. Chapter 27, verse 1 says, Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, and then, and then verse, uh, chapter 29, verse 1 says the same thing. Moreover, Job continued his parable. And said, that those are very important, 
verses, they're, they're telling us what we're to look for. It's all a parable. There's something deeper in it. Uh, after God afflicts Job, his three friends come to comfort him and to mourn with him. And uh, what we're to see in them is the commission of the church. Uh, that's what the church has been commissioned to do, even in the Old Testament in a, in a murkier sense. But certainly in the New Testament, the church is to comfort those that are under the wrath of God. And how ha- have they done that? They've done that by bringing the message of salvation. Uh, those guys never do that. Uh, right from the beginning, they start to accuse him. They, they, they start to, uh, they start to tell him he must have done something. He must have sinned terribly, uh, for God to have brought, uh, this, all this calamity, uh, on him in, uh, in chapter four, uh, verse seven, uh, Eliphaz the Temanite is speaking to him. And uh, he says to him, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, Remember, I pray thee, who ever perished being innocent? Or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. He's telling Job he's sinned. He's sinned. And uh, the discourse goes on like this for, I, I think, 28 chapters, something like that. Uh, he may, Job maintains his innocence, and uh, those guys just get angrier and angrier. Uh, they accuse him of having no fear of God. Um, but they make a lot of other statements, uh, which, in, in which you can simply, you can just hear the Pharisees questioning, uh, Christ when he, uh, walked, uh, in, in Galilee and in Jerusalem. You can just hear the same tone as they question Job. Um, in, in chapter 15, uh, again, this is Eliphaz speaking, and he says, uh, we'll read in chapter 15, verse 1, Then answered Eliphaz the Temanite and said, Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk or with speeches wherewith he can do no good? Yea, thou castest off fear and restrainest prayer before God. Uh, he, he's telling him he has no respect for who God is. Um, for thy mouth uttereth thine iniquity, and thou choosest the tongue of the crafty. Thine own mouth condemneth thee, and not I. Yea, thine own lips testify against thee. And then in verse 7, look what he says to him. He says, he says to Job, Art thou the first man that was begotten? Or was thou made before the hills? And you read that in, uh, in Proverbs 8, speaking of wisdom. It was formed, wisdom was formed before the mountains. That's Christ in parable. Uh, and, and in that, it's, it's, it's payment for sin before the foundations of the world. But, but there's a rhetorical question for us in, in verse seven. Art thou the first man that was born? Or was thou made before the hills? The answer to that question is yes. Hast thou heard the secret of God and dost thou restrain wisdom to thyself? In other words, are you familiar with all there is to know about God? And, and, and do you limit wisdom to yourself? Again, yes. Yes, what knowest thou that we know not? What understandest thou uh, which is not in us? With us are both the gray-headed and very aged men, much elder uh, than thy father. And, and, and the Pharisees spoke to him in John 8 about how old he was. You're, you're not yet 50 years old. You've seen Abraham. Uh, but this is what we're to hear in these three men. Then uh, Elihu, when they're done, Elihu speaks. And Elihu is much more faithful uh 
as he lays out salvation, it's much more faithful that it's entirely by the work of God. Uh, as these guys speak to Job, uh, they uh, over and over tell him, you've got to do this, you have to do that, and, and you'll be right with God. It's more of a, uh, a works gospel that they're bringing to him. Um, Elihu uh, probably is a picture of the, of the latter reign as, as the church age ended. Uh, he, he brings it much more faithfully in, uh, in, in truth. Uh, I heard Mr. Camping once on the open forum. Uh, he was questioned. Uh, someone asked him who he thought Elihu represented, and, and he thought, he said it tentatively. He, he said, but I think Elihu represents God himself. Uh, now, there are a couple other things that Elihu says, uh, but he, he tells him that he that is perfect in knowledge is with you. He tells him that he's he's uh, bringing forth truth, and uh, if he if he's not the Holy Spirit or the Lord Jesus, uh, he he he's absolute truth. He's bringing the gospel much more faithfully than these men. But anyway, after Elihu is finished, then the Lord the Lord appears, and uh, he starts on Job, and, and uh, for a couple chapters he uh, he asks Job, "Where were you when I did this, or where were you when I did that?" He's really putting Job in his place. Um, Finally, he gets down here to verse 15 in chapter 40. Chapter 40, verse 15, and he says, Behold now, behemoth, which I made with thee. Uh, there's something, right? There's another another uh, statement there that uh, that should really strike us because as we read about this behemoth, he's a dinosaur. He's a dinosaur. Uh, he moves his tail like a cedar. Uh, and from the description of him, uh, this, this is a huge animal. Uh, theologians have speculated, well, maybe it's a hippopotamus, maybe a, um, an elephant, but uh, the description of them just doesn't match any, anything. Uh, it, it's got to be a, a dinosaur, but look what God says to him. Behold now, behemoth, which I made with thee. There you are. Dinosaurs were made at the same time as men. It was the six days of creation. Uh, but he says, Behold now, behemoth, which I made with thee, he eateth grass as an ox. And this is our first clue. And we have to put everything together as, as to what uh, what behemoth represents or who he is. Um, we think of Daniel 4 when King Nebuchadnezzar had this vision and he was told, uh, Daniel 4 he, he brings uh, Daniel in to uh, interpret the, his dream for him. In Daniel 4, starting at verse 24, Daniel's interpreting. He's, Daniel, Daniel 4, 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And Mr. Camping went over this in 1995, and I think he still, uh, in my judgment, has it uh, pretty accurate. He says, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is always a picture of Satan in the Bible. The, the, the kingdom of Babylon is always a picture of the kingdom of hell. But here, this is Satan in the tribulation period when he's when he's in the church when God has given the church over to Satan uh 
they shall drive thee from men. In other words, he's, he's going to be driven out of his normal office uh, of being Satan, and he's going to dwell among men. Um, thy, thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. Now, Mr. Camping said that relates to the beasts spoken of in Revelation that come out of the sea. And then it goes on to say, they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. Now, Mr. Camping didn't go into that statement. He just assumed that it, it uh, was a continuation of the thought that uh, Nebuchadnezzar would become like a beast. Uh, I, I believe that's saying something different. Uh, God help me if I'm wrong, but uh, they... they they shall make thee to eat grass as an oxen, as oxen. Oxen are clean animals. Uh, they could sacrifice an ox. Uh, he eats grass. He's a herbivore rather than a carnivore. Um, again, that's just another hint that he, he's in the church. He's eating grass as an oxen. He's feeding on that green grass, a clean animal. Um, if you look at Psalm 106, in verse 19, this is very similar to Psalm 78. It's speaking about the Israelites in the wilderness and all their rebellion. In Psalm 106, verse 19, it says, They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eats grass. In their, in their idol worship, they made this golden calf and said, These are thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee out of Egypt. Uh, and, and again, it's simply a representation of God's people turning to idols, wanting to worship something they can physically see. They changed their glory. Their glory was Jehovah God, and uh, he's the one that brought them out of Egypt and uh, sustained them in that wilderness. But they changed that glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. And I believe that and, and the fact that Nebuchadnezzar would be changed uh and become like a beast that eats grass. I, I, I believe it's uh, w- what we're to have in mind is uh, a false gospel. But he he's he's in the church among the church. Um, still in Daniel four and verse twenty five, uh, they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. They shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. To be wet with the dew of heaven is to, is a good thing in the Bible. Uh, um, there were different blessings. Uh, given in, in a couple of places where someone would be wet with the dew of heaven. I think it's even in Job once. And the dew of heaven really is a picture of uh, God looks at it the same way as he does uh, rain. It's, it's, it represents the gospel. And uh, when he's in the church, he's, he's, uh, he's under the hearing of that gospel. He's wet with the dew of heaven. All right, let's go back to Job 40 here. Verse 15, Behold now behemoth, which I made with thee, he eateth grass as an ox. And verse 16, we read, Lo now, his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. You can't do too much with those words. Uh, some of the words in Job are, are really difficult. I think in the book of Job, more than any other book, there are words that are used only in that book, and you can't compare Scripture with Scripture. It's very difficult. But it's, this verse is just generally speaking of his, his formidable strength. His strength is in his loins, his force is in the navel of his belly. And then verse 17 says, he moves his tail like a cedar. A tail in the Bible is not a good thing. In, uh, in Deuteronomy 28, the Israelites were told 
if they didn't, uh, if they forgot God and turned away from his word, that he would make the enemy the head over them and uh, they would become the tail. Uh, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 43, we read, The stranger that is within thee, this is Deuteronomy 28:43. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Uh, or, or look at uh, Isaiah, where uh, God is speaking of uh, the apostasy of uh, Israel. In Isaiah 9, verse 13, we read, For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them. That's God himself. He's chastising them. They're still not turning to him. Neither do they seek Jehovah of hosts. Verse 14, Isaiah 9, 14. Therefore Jehovah will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. The ancient and the honorable, he is the head. And the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail. Tail's not a good thing in the Bible. Uh, one more, uh, one more verse in, in Revelation 12. And, and this is speaking of, uh, this is the woman who represents the church. Uh, Revelation 12. And, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads, his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. That would be the, the, uh, those in the church. And the dragon stood before the woman, uh, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Uh, but the tail is not a good thing in the Bible. And here in Job 40, we read about Behemoth in verse 17. He moves his tail like a cedar. And a cedar, uh, a cedar tree is, uh, a figure of the Lord Jesus or a believer. If you look at Psalm 92, Psalm 92, verse 12 says, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Um, that, uh, tabernacle, that, uh, the, the, the temple, when Solomon built the temple, he used cedar and fir. Um, but here, Behemoth moves his tail like a cedar. Um, the whole sense of it is an imitation, in, in guile, in deceit. Uh, the, uh, Job 40 verse 17 continues, he moves his tail like a cedar, the sinews of his stones are wrapped together. Again, very difficult words to, to do anything with. It, 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 it's really, again, speaking of his strength. Um, in verse 18, we read his bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. Bones in the Bible, and this is two different Hebrew words for bones, but they both have the same sense. Uh, bones... Uh, make up the frame of your body. They're, uh, um, they're often, uh, used again as a metaphor for, um, believers. I look at Psalm 35. This is a messianic psalm, and this is Christ speaking. Psalm 35, verse 7 says, For without cause have they hid me, have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawares, 
And let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in Jehovah. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Jehovah, who is like unto thee, which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. Bones often in the Bible uh, typify believers. Look at... uh, Oh, in, in, in Genesis, you don't have to turn there. In Genesis 2.23, Adam said of Eve, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. In, in 2 Samuel 5, we read of uh, David or David's men. Uh, and David is always a picture of Christ in the Bible. Yes, yeah, 2 Samuel 5.1, we read, Then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. And there are There are numerous more verses like that uh, in in the Bible. Uh, Let me read one out of the New Testament. This is a good verse, too, because uh, this is from Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, this is speaking of loving your own body. It's speaking of of the church, really. Uh, Ephesians 5.29 says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church... But look at verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Uh, all the elect are uh, as, as bones uh, in, in the body of the Lord. So uh, here, but here we're reading about behemoth in chapter 40 of Job, chapter 40, verse 18. His, his bones are strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. And uh, frequently in the Bible, most of the time when God speaks of brass or of iron, it's in the context of judgment. Uh, so again, it's saying his bones are, you could simply say, uh, his, his bones are, are, uh, the, the unsaved of the world. Um, verse 19 of, of Job 40, uh, can be misunderstood. It says, he is the chief of the ways of God. And it, it, it's simply saying he's the biggest. What, what Job is, what, what the Lord is telling Job in, in, uh, in chapter 40 and 41 about, uh, about the, this behemoth and about Leviathan is that is that uh, neither one of these huge beasts are any match for you. Uh, it, it must be God that, uh, that that wins the victory over them. So we read uh, again in Job 40 verse 18: His bones are as strong pieces of brass; his bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God, and that word "chief" it's the word the Hebrew word "rosh," which can it's used a lot. It can mean head, principal, first beginning uh it's simply telling us he's the he's the biggest uh the word ways might throw you off a little bit but the word ways here really refers to when it says the ways of god it refers to everything that god does if you look at proverbs 8 uh where wisdom is speaking in the first person and wisdom is uh is Christ in in First Corinthians one twenty four we read that Christ is the wisdom of God, verse twenty two Proverbs eight twenty two Jehovah possessed me in the beginning of His way, before His works of old. That's the way that word is used. It, it's all that God does His ways in the beginning of His ways is, is, is in creation. Um, but here Job forty verse nineteen speaking of Behemoth says He is the chief of the ways of God. Uh, then it says, he that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. And uh, again, it, it was a difficult job for the King James translators uh, uh, translating uh, this book. 
and and it's generally understood that these guys did the best the best job of, of most of the translators in, in trying to uh, keep the original words and, and uh, the, even the structure of the sentence. Uh, but it, it says, he that made him can make his sword to approach on him. And what that means is, is only God, only God can approach him uh, with the sword. He, he, again, he's telling Job, you're no match for him. Uh, verse 20 of Job 40 says, surely the mountains bring him forth food where all the beasts of the field play. Now the mountains, God uses mountains in, in a couple of different ways. Sometimes a mountain is a kingdom. The, the Lord is sometimes spoken of as, as the mountains. Uh, the Israelites were told to uh, uh, flee to the mountains when they see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy, holy place. Or Psalm 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. And that's the same word, mountains, from whence cometh my help. Um, but here the mountains, I believe, generally are, are just the earth in general, uh, all the kingdoms of the earth. says, so surely the mountains bring him forth food. And this, the words bring forth here are translated lift up or bear or carry, uh, bear uh, in, in a couple different uh, places, but uh, also offer. Uh, and this, this is what... Uh, is happening with Satan as he's ruling in the church. The, the world is bringing him offerings. He's uh, sitting in the temple of, of God, showing himself that he is God. Um, in Ezekiel 20, verse 31, the, the, the Hebrew word that they translate to bring forth here is translated offer. Look at uh, Ezekiel 20, verse 31. Again, yeah, he's speaking of the apostasy of Israel. Uh, Ezekiel 20, verse 30 says, Wherefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Are ye polluted after the manner of your fathers, and commit ye whoredom after their abominations? For when ye offer your gifts, that's the same word, when ye offer your gifts, when ye make your sons to pass through the fire, ye pollute yourselves with all your idols, even unto this day. So the mountains, the kingdoms of the world, offer, they bring forth food uh, to behemoth. And the word food, again, is not the normal word. It's translated food. I think that uh, the Strong's number for that word is 3899. It's usually translated bread. It's, it's used a lot of times. This word is only used a few times. It's only used three times. And one time it's used, it's the month, the Hebrew month, bull, B-U-L. It's the eighth month. Um, it's used here, and it's used in Isaiah 4419. Speaking of the stock of a tree, how the Israelites were making their idols out of the stock of a tree or falling down to the stock of a tree. So it's in the uh, the uh, context of, uh, again, an idol. Uh, actually, the word means produce. The word could mean lumber also, uh, as it's speaking of the produce of a tree, the stock of a tree. But that's the idea there. The, the mountains bring him forth food. Uh, and then the second phrase there in chapter 40, verse 20 says, where all the beasts of the field play. Uh, theologians look at that verse and, and, and they say it speaks of the, uh, the harmlessness of, of behemoth, uh, that he's a, a, a herbivore and they're not afraid of him, but I don't, where would you get that? What's, what, why would God put something like that in there? You don't see that spiritually in it. Uh, you just look at the words and see how God use them, uses them. And uh, it says where all the beasts of the field play, 
and, and the word play, again, is, is a word that is usually translated in a sense of, of scorning, mocking, uh, or, or derisively laughing. Sometimes it's used in, in the sense of rejoicing or, or laughing in, in happiness. Uh, look at, look at Psalm 104.26. Psalm 104.26. Uh, oh, yeah, this is speaking of Leviathan. Psalm 104.26 says, There go the ships, there is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. He's speaking of the ocean. And, and Leviathan, again, is another picture of Satan. He's in the ocean. He's Satan for most of the, the history of the world. Uh, but Leviathan plays, plays there. That's his habitat. Uh, so that's the same word. Again, it's not your normal word uh, for play. It's uh, a word generally speaking of, of scorn or mocking or uh, derision. Okay, so verse uh, verse 21, Job 40, 21 says, He lieth under the shady trees, in the covert of the reed and fens. Uh, the shady trees cover him with their shadow. Two times you read shady trees. That's the only time, only two times that word is used in the Bible. You can do absolutely nothing with it. There aren't any words around it, any any other form of the same word that helps you. I think in the interlinear they translate it a lotus tree. Uh, but, but the sense of it is the trees, they they shade him. He lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and fens. The shady trees cover him with their shadow. That word shadow is only used a few times, and, and it's not the same word shadow that's used in a good sense. You might read in, in a psalm that uh, we dwell under the shadow of his wings. It's not the same word. Again, it's a word that the, the shadows are, are the darkness of night approaching. Um, if you look at, uh, well, let me see. It's only, like I said, it's only in uh, three t- three other times. It's in uh, Canticles two, Canticles four six, and Jeremiah six four. Uh, look at Song of Solomon chapter two, verse seventeen, and and you'll see what I mean here. Um, Song of Solomon chapter two, verse sixteen. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Until the day break and the shadows flee away. The shadows of the evening. See, that's, that's this word. Uh, turn, my beloved, and, and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of Bether. That's a beautiful, they're beautiful verses speaking of the love between Christ and the church. But, uh, the shadows are the shadows of the, the, the darkness of the night fleeing away. It's used one more time in Song of Solomon like that. And it's used once in, in Jeremiah like that. So here behemoth, is lying under the shady trees in their shadow, but it really, the sense of it is, is night, darkness. Uh, verse 21, Job 40, verse 21 says, He lies under the shady trees in the covert of the reed. The covert, word covert is, is uh, again, a word that suggests concealment or being hidden. Um, th- this word is translated disguised in Job. It's, it's translated... Uh, Hiding place, it's, it's, it's actually, it actually speaks of the Lord too, as He covers His people. Let me, let me read Job 24, 15, and, and we'll see the sense of this word. Job 24, verse 15 says, uh, He's speaking of evil men here. Uh, Job 24, 14 says, The murderer rising with the light killeth the poor and needy, and in the night is as a thief. 
The eye also of the adulterer waiteth for the twilight, saying, No eye shall see me, and disguiseth his face. That's the word covert. It's not a good sense. It's a sense of uh, concealment or hiding. Uh, and all these words from uh, almost from the beginning of the description of behemoth are in the same sense. Um, yeah, he, he verse 21, Job 40, 21, he lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and fens. Reeds, reeds grow, grow in swamps. A, a fen is a swamp. Um, now he's in, he's hiding in the covert of the reed. If you work through the word reed, it's, it's usually associated with measuring. And it can be, it, ha, it can have the sense of, of the word of God. Um, in uh, Revelation 11, we read, there was given to me a reed like unto a rod, and, and, and he was told to go and measure the temple. Um, and, and again, that's speaking of the word of God. Uh, he lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reed. Uh, he, he's in the covert. He, he's hiding under the word, within the word of God. And, and fens. Now, a fen, again, is a marshy place. Uh, but this word is always, is, is only used a few times, and it's translated miry place where there's mud. And uh, miry place is, is never used in a good sense either. Um, look at Ezekiel 47.11. We'll, we'll look at one place where this word is used. Ezekiel Ezekiel 47.37. Yeah, it, it's still all in the context of judgment. Uh, this is a difficult chapter. Let me, let me just read uh, verse 11. But the miry places thereof, that's the word for fens, my replaces thereof and the marshes therefore shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. Uh, a context of judgment there. My replace isn't a good thing. When they, they put Jeremiah in that pit, he sank into the mire. It's the same sense. Uh, so here, uh, behemoth in Job 40 verse, uh, uh, 21 is lying under the shady trees in the covert and hiding in the reed and, and, and in the miry places. Uh, verse 22 of Job 40 says, uh, the shady trees cover him with their shadow. Again, the same sense, being covered uh, with, with their shadow, uh, hiding, uh, concealing. Um, then it says, the willows of the brook compass him about. He's in among God's people. God uses uh, willows of the brook. Uh, speaking of his people, if you look at Isaiah 44, let me, let me read from the beginning of the chapter, Isaiah 44, verse 1. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith Jehovah that made thee and formed thee from a womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Uh, Jeshurun's another word for Israel. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring, and they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. Willows, uh, believers, to, uh, as, as willows by the watercourses. Willows, uh, are in particular, are trees that suck up a lot of water. Uh, farmers will plant a willow or willows in a, in a low-lying area of the field to, to, to help to dry it up. Uh, but, but here, willows is, uh, typifies believers. But here uh, in, in Job 40, uh, verse 22, we read that the shady trees cover him with their shadow. The willows of the brook compass him about. He's surrounded by church people. 
Again, every, every verse, every word, speaking of, of, of a disguise, hiding, concealment, guile. Um, now, verse 23 is difficult. Um, Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. If you've been listening to Mr. Camping's, Camping's study, Jeremiah's studies, he, he just went over this principle uh, a few days ago, how uh, judgment comes in the end as a flood. God actually told Daniel that. He said the end shall come with a flood. Uh, God speaks in different places of the end coming with a flood of false gospels in, in judgment against uh, his corporate people. Uh, he speaks of Jordan overflowing in time of harvest. But Behemoth is, has no fear of that. Uh, it says in verse 23, Behold, he drinketh up a river, and hasteth not. Hasteth is to flee and hurry. But he's he has no fear of that. Um, let me see if I can give you a verse that uh, speaks of how God speaks of the rivers. Um, yeah, Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, 18 says, according to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of Jehovah from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood. There it is. Uh, judgment coming in the form of a flood. The spirit of Jehovah shall lift up a standard against him. And, and of course, uh, the flood of Noah's day is, is certainly the biggest example of this. It's as if the, the, the earth was washed clean by the, the waters of that flood in judgment. Um, let me read Job 40, verse 33 again. Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He doesn't fear that, that coming flood of judgment. Uh, he trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. Uh, when you read about the Jordan River in the Bible, as often as it's as often as it's spoken of, it's never you never see it in verses of uh, uh, bringing the water of the gospel. It's always in the context of judgment. Christ had to be baptized in the Jordan River. God uses it as a picture of hell. Elijah uh, parted the Jordan when he crossed over with Elisha. Then Elisha crossed over, crossed back, and he parted it again. Uh, the Israelites had to cross the Jordan uh, to come into the promised land. God stopped the waters uh, of the Jordan and parted them so that the Israelites could cross over. The word Jordan itself, uh, the Hebrew word, means to descend or to go down. And uh, if you look at a map of Israel, the Jordan River flows south into the Dead Sea. Uh, it's even in God's creation there in the picture. I think it kind of dries out or maybe goes into... Delta there before it even gets into the Dead Sea. I'm not sure, but that's the picture there. It flows south into the Dead Sea, and there's nothing living in that Dead Sea. Uh, but here, uh, this is what it's speaking of here, of, of Behemoth. He doesn't fear the, the, the flood of God's judgment. The shady trees cover him uh, with their shadow. Verse 23, Behold, he drinketh up a river, and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. Uh, look at uh, Jeremiah 49. This, this verse is in Jeremiah a couple times. Um, uh, this is speaking of judgment on... He's speaking of Edom here in, in chapter 49, Jeremiah 49. 
In verse 17, he says, Also Edom shall be a desolation. Everyone that goeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss at the plagues thereof, as in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof, saith Jehovah. No man shall abide there, neither shall a son of man dwell in it. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the swelling of Jordan against the habitation of the strong, but I will suddenly make him run away from her. And who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? Then he says the same thing again in chapter 50. Uh, who's it speaking of there? Babylon, yeah. Uh, same thing, chapter Jeremiah 50, verse 44. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the swelling of Jordan under the habitation of the strong. Uh, word for word, the same thing. In another place, we read that, that Jordan overflows his banks all the time of harvest. Uh, during the time of judgment, God, the, the Jordan River t- uh, typifies hell. Uh, so here you have it. I mean, it, it's just overwhelming how much God tells us about behemoth. But uh, every word has a, 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 a suggestion of, of, of deceit and guile and, and uh he, he, he's hiding and he's acting in, in the church, uh, showing himself that he is God. Uh, chapter 40, Job 40, verse 24 says, He taketh it with his eyes, his nose pierceth through snares. Again, speaking of how man is simply powerless against this great animal, only God can, can defeat this beast. Uh, the word there, nose, uh, is usually translated, I think it's the word Nahor, uh, Abraham's brother, his, his name uh, was, was this word, I'm pretty sure. And it, it, it always has, has to do with that wrath or anger. It's translated nostrils or anger. Um, his nose, uh, he, he takes it with his eyes, it simply means, well, it's in, in the interlinear, it's translated completely different. It, it states that nobody can take him in his sight. That's how uh, formidable he is. Uh, and then, uh, in, in other words, it's just a beast that man uh, is utterly power, powerless against. Uh, he taketh it with his eyes, his nose pierceth through snares, uh, the traps of men and snares. And snares can typify the word of God uh, in judgment. Look at uh, Psalm 69, verse 22. Psalm 69, verse 22 says... Uh, Speaking of the enemy, this is a messianic psalm too. Psalm 69 verse 21 says, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Let their table, or their gospel, uh, we read in Psalm 23, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Our table is that table, that, that supper that, that, uh, that, that represents the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, that's the table that we eat at. But he says, let their table become a snare before them, their gospel. Uh, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. And, uh, and literally, uh, a snare is a trap or, or some type of net. But uh, again, uh, the, the snares that uh, man, men devise would be powerless against this, this huge animal. His nose pierceth through snares. But there you have it. Uh, uh, behemoth, uh, in, in my judgment, looking at all these verses, is undoubtedly a, a picture of Satan in the church. And uh, uh, Lord willing, we'll get to uh, Leviathan uh, next. Um, it, it's interesting that God puts 
behemoth before Leviathan, and I think Leviathan represents, because he's an ocean creature, he, he represents Satan uh, th- throughout time. Uh, but there you are. Uh, we don't see these things unless God uh, opens our eyes to it. And, and when we see these things, we stand amazed and, and just praise God for this book. Thank him uh, that he is, has blessed us with understanding and showed, shown us these great things out of his law. Uh, and, and, and it strikes us, again, that this book could not have been written uh, by man. Uh, but to God, to God be the glory. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, again, we come before you and just say, uh, could it be that we've gotten this right? Uh, if we've gotten anything wrong, in your mercy, we can't harm your people in our error, in our imperfection, and we uh, we just thank you for that. Again, we thank you for this book that you've given us that uh, your people delight in, and, and we thank you for this day that you've given us, and again, in which your people delight. The, the world has turned it into just the second day of the weekend. It's uh, We see it deteriorating so fast, um, but we can only look to you uh, in, in this time of judgment, in this day of judgment, and uh, un- understand that uh, you will never leave or, or forsake your people. Uh, again, we thank you for the way you've cared for us in this life. Again, we uh, uh, we ask you on behalf of our brothers uh, in, on this African trip that you might bless the work of their hands and uh, bring them home safely and uh, to you may all may be all the glory and we pray this in Jesus name amen thanks for joining us for eBible fellowship sunday bible study for more information or to hear additional bible studies be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com